says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power or authority is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach or make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe or obey all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. So Jesus gives his assurance that he is with them, and he is with them, and that matters because Jesus has all authority. Jesus is king. Jesus is Lord. At this point, he is the risen, uh, he is the risen king. And he says, as you're going, make disciples, baptize them, uh, immerse them in water as a symbol of their uh, union in Christ, and the Father, and the Holy Spirit. And then in verse 20, he says, and here's your plan for, for continuing their walk in me, these disciples that you have made, teaching them to observe or obey all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And he says, I'm with you in this. Even unto the end of the age, I'm with you in this. And so that is the task, that's the mission of the church. That's the task of the church. And everything we do needs to fall under that task. We glorify God by making disciples. Now go with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. Because one of those phrases in Matthew 28 said that we teach those who have been made disciples to obey whatever I've commanded you. So let's go to one of Jesus' commands in Matthew chapter 5. Put it here up on the screen. Here, this is, our, this is our focus here this morning. Matthew 5, verse 14. And he's speaking here to his disciples, followers. Ye all, you all, you disciples, are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. So right away he's described who they are in him. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. No man will walk. No, no, no man needs to walk by darkness. But he's going to. But if he comes to Christ, he's going to. He's going to be in the light. And Jesus says, "Because you're followers of me, you have that light transferred to you. Because I'm in you." And so he says, "You are the light of the world." And now he explains what the purpose of light is. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Light's not made to be hid. Just like a city that if it was set on a mountain, we would see that city far off and we would know where that city is. It cannot be hidden. And he says, Neither, verse 15, do men light a candle and put it under a bushel or a basket. When you light a candle, you don't light a candle to cover and hide the light. And it giveth light unto all that are in the house. You light a candle to give light so you can see. And he says in verse 16, key verse here for us, In the same way as you have been lit to give light, he says in verse 16, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now, there was a group of people in Jesus' day named Pharisees who were full of what they called good works, weren't they? They did all kinds of things. And they did these things in the sight of all men, right? But why did they do it? They did it to, they did it to bring attention to themselves. 
But Jesus says there's nothing wrong with displaying your good works if it's for the purpose of glorifying your Father, which is in heaven. Now, folks, we know that because of the gospel, what Christ has done, there is nothing we could ever do that would amount up to the payment that Christ paid and we can never earn our way for our salvation. In other words, we can never uh, uh, get into heaven because of our good works. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9 makes that very clear. Titus 3, 5 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but it's according to His mercy He saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. There's nothing we can do to earn our salvation, but once we have been placed in Christ, He has saved us to do good works. To do good works. Works that reflect what He's done in us. And I'd like you to go over with me to Acts chapter 10. You might want to leave a bookmark in Matthew 5. Acts chapter 10. The Apostle Peter has an encounter with a man who was outside of uh, Israel uh, and being Jewish. He's a Gentile, he's not Jewish. But Luke includes his story here in the book of Acts to show us that the gospel is to all nations. And in Luke chapter 10, Peter presents the gospel to a Roman, uh, uh, we could say general or maybe closer to a colonel, um, who is searching for the truth. And God sends Peter to him. And in Acts chapter 10 verse 34, it says this. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word, I say, ye know, which was published throughout all Judea, and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly. Not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before of God, even to us who did eat and drink with Him after He rose from the dead. And He commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is He which was ordained of God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To Him give all the prophets witness that through His name whoever believeth in Him shall receive remission of sins. And Cornelius and his family hears this good news of Jesus and who has been put uh, uh, for the forgiveness of their sins before them, and they and they call upon His name, and they are they are saved. And verse forty four says the Holy Spirit then dwells in them. But I'd like you to look again in verse thirty eight. Look at the description of Jesus. Jesus, the light of the world. His disciples now also lights of the world. Says this, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good. Doing good. What I want to show you here in the next couple minutes here is 
the truth of good works. A truth of good works. Um, <clears throat> in the book of Ephesians, one of Jesus' later followers, Paul, lays out the good news and how it changes and transforms our lives. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, he lays out who we, are, who we were before Christ. That we were children of wrath, that we were following in a trajectory of, of a downward death spiral toward eternal conscious punishment. That we were by nature fulfilling the children, were by nature the children of God's anger against our sin. We served a master in verse 2, and he was the prince of the power of the air, and identified as the evil one. But verse 4 says, God who is rich in mercy, for His great love wherewith He loved us, God has given us Christ. And He has saved us. And verse 7, He tells us why He saved us, that in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now listen to what he says. And now that you are saved, you have been created, you have been reformed in Jesus. He says this in verse 10, for we are his workmanship. Now those of you who are are fine woodworkers, uh, or craftsmen, you know what it's like to labor over something and put exquisite detail into something. Um, Randy Ricards, um, some of you know Randy, somehow got it in, uh, in his head that I like to put together models. You know, the kind of models that you use tweezers with and cement glue and you, and you make these uh, uh, you know, little plastic representations of tanks or cars or whatever. And so we bought us a, a model, me and Jace, to do together, a model of an Israeli tank. And we tried to do it. <laughs> <coughs> And I am not good with my fingers. I'm not good with my hands, but, you know, my fingers aren't much better. And so I'm here trying with a toothpick to dab that little drop of cement glue onto that plastic model. And, and I'm trying to take apart all the pieces, untwist them so I got them all out. And some of them are so small um, that I couldn't tell if it's part of, the, um, part of the little thing that connects all the pieces together that come in the kit or whether it's a piece. It, it was a failure. It's still sitting partially completed uh, down in the basement. <clears throat> Um, but have you ever seen somebody who could do that kind of stuff? You wouldn't want to see mine. But somebody who can do that kind of stuff and add the details, you know, the paint and the decals and, and make it look so real. And some of you are good at that stuff. Peter he likes to take the burls off a tree and turn them, turn them into bowls, smooth bowls. Beautiful, beautiful kind of work like that. That's the idea here in verse 10. We are His workmanship. We are His craftsmanship. That God has saved you to craft you with delicate details uh, into what He wants you to be. And what is it? Well, we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, what? Unto good works. Unto good works. For the purpose of good works. And we don't even get to claim these good works, because look at the rest of verse 10. Which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. It's all of His grace here. And God has, 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 has a purpose for us as Christians to display um, uh, the, the good works that He's called us to. <clears throat> How important is this? Well, go over with me to the book of Titus. 
where Paul, again, is going to talk to a church and its leaders that need to be shining as lights. The book of Titus, it's only three chapters, a very short book, very concise, but it lays out the vision of a church. Sound leadership, false teaching rooted out in chapter 1. And then in verse 2, he talks about the people themselves, even in their different age groups, their age-setting seasons of life, and what they need to be like. And in chapter 2, his main point is that the gospel, the doctrine that they profess with their mouth, matches up with how they act. And he gives us this picture that our gospel, Christ in us, our good works adorn the gospel. What does he mean by that? Well, let me me read some some verses here that kind of explain here what what he's talking about. Well, first of all, let me point out that several times he refers to this. Um, In verse 3, he talks about the aged... Uh, verse 2, he talks about the aged men. Um, how do you know if you're in that category? Well, you probably know if you are, right? Verse 3, he talks about the aged women in a church. How do you know if you're in that category? Well, I'm not going to tell you you are, but you just might be if you kind of feel you might be. Um, but verse 3, he says the aged women likewise Uh, And he says they need to be teachers of good things. Teachers of good things. That's pretty vague, isn't it? Teachers of good things. Then he lays out what that is in verse 4. Teaching the young women. So young women, you have a responsibility here um, to to, to listen to to wisdom. To be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands. Notice that he says that the word of God be not... Blaspheme. So in other words, a life that's contrary to this can be, in, can be in contrast with the word of God that people say they believe. And so he's saying that live in line with God's ways so that God's word isn't blaspheme and mocked, but it is enhanced. It's enhanced. Verse 6, he talks to the young men. And so, young men, be sober-minded, be serious uh, and all things showing thyself a pattern, verse 7, of good works. Speech that is correct and proper and right and glorifies God. Servants, verse 9. Uh, and he tells them what they're not supposed to do. And then verse 10 says, That they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. That word adorn is a word that maybe some of some of you um, ladies are familiar with in the mornings. As you stand before the mirror and you unpack your tackle box of stuff. And you do the eyeliner, you do the eyebrows, you do the lipstick, you put the, the blush on, you, 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 do, you do all that stuff. You are adorning yourself. Um, you are enhancing what is already there, right? And that's the idea of what he's talking about here for the believer. The gospel is beautiful, but your good works are like the spotlight that shines on it. He's talked about good works a few times. <clears throat> he is, um, uh, then uh, go to verse 14. 
who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar, that means unique people. Listen, zealous of good works. Zealous of good works. What does it mean to be zealous? Well, some of you are zealous Patriot fans, right? Some of you could care less. You are not a zealous Patriot fan. You could care less. Some of you are zealous Patriot fans. You are all about the Patriots here. And um, some of you are zealous about knitting. Some of you are zealous about a sport or a hobby or a, a particular show or a particular following. Uh, some of you are zealous about politics. You're zealous about different things, right? You're passionate about them. That's what it means. To be passionate. And God has desired to to redeem us from sin, to purify unto Himself a unique people that stands out from the culture who are passionate about good works. And He says, These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. So, what what else does He have to say? Well, verse 5, Titus chapter 3, verse 5, He says, It's not our works that save us, but, verse 8, he says, This is a faithful saying, and these things I will, I want you to do, that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. Avoid this, he says. Um, and then, verse 14 even closing the book, he says, and let ours also, our church, people and God, learn to maintain good works for necessary uses, that they be not unfruitful. It's a big deal. It's a big deal to to Christ's church. Go back with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And I think these writers of the epistles that I just read are, are, are um, explaining in more detail what Jesus has said in Matthew five fourteen through 16. You are the light of the world. You're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. The purpose of a light is to be displayed. You are the city on a hill. You are the city on a hill. The purpose of a light, in verse 15, is to light all those that are in the house, not to be hidden under a basket. And so, here's the application. The application of you being a light in verse, is verse 16. Let your light so shine before men. And the idea is, let your light shine in this way before men. What way? That they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. <clears throat> so those, are his, those are his key points here. So, first of all, let your light so shine before men. Let your light shine. Unleash it. God has lit your soul with the glory of God in Christ. Unleash it. Unleash it. Don't hide it. Don't, don't uh, um, uh, uh, push down into the, into the jack-in-the-box, so to speak, what he, the glory of God that He has made to be displayed in you. Let your light so shine. Let your light so shine where? Before men. Before men. It's not talking about what I talked about with the Pharisees. Who went about trying to say to all people, look at me, look at me, look at me. No. He says, before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. But here's what we have to understand. 
David Livingston said, sympathy is no substitute for action. For action. What Jesus here is talking about is action. Action. Um, He is talking about visible, tangible things that you can display the glory of God in. How can men and humanity is limited by what their eyes, their physical eyes can see, right? Now, we, if you're in Christ, you have a spiritual reality in you that is invisible. But it's to be displayed in fruit. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. So there should be an arena to the watching world where our good works are on display. Where we are portraying Christ. And we're not hiding. We're not frightened. We're not living in fear. We're not living in fear-mongering about how horrible the culture is. And yes, it is. But that doesn't make us shrink back. That makes bright light shine brighter as the darker the culture gets. Let your light shine before men. uh, Tangible ways that they may see your good works. See what? See your good works. Your good works. Well, that's why isn't Jesus more specific about that? Because that's a broad word, isn't it? That covers a whole lot of things. And you can display certain things in your context, in your circles of people, um, uh, that I might in my circles uh, display differently. Uh, your good works, glorifying God. The purpose is to glorify your Father, which is in heaven. To have people say, wow, that person has purpose, that person has hope, and it's not in themselves. They're living humbly under the loving reign of a Father who's in heaven, who's invisible. Do you see the contrast? Let men see your good works so that they can glorify what you cannot see, the Father who is in heaven. So somewhere in between there is... A connecting point. The visible good works of people with the invisible God of heaven who is called our Father. You know what that connecting point is? It's you. It's you. You are the connecting point displaying God and His character and His love and His mercy and His truth to these people. Now, here's another another observation. The Bible says... Mankind does not seek God naturally, does he? He doesn't seek God naturally. Yet Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3, and verse 15, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you, a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Well, why would anybody, why would a person come to you and ask you a reason of the hope that's in you? What would that have to assume? <laughs> something they saw that was got their attention, right? There's something different. Something different about that person. Here's the question that that verse begs. Am I living in such a way 
that the lost world scratches their head and wants to know about the hope that's in me, which is Christ. Christ. Am I living in such a way that an unsaved person, who the Bible says does not seek God, your life sparks their curiosity, and they say, what in the what makes you tick? Why did you do that? I think this verse here is connected with our witness, our testimony. No one is ever saved, folks, simply by good works, right? No one's ever saved simply by observing your life of good works, right? The gospel is a message. It is words that are shared. But this verse here tells us the bridge. That we can be the bridge to bring people to Christ. To spark curiosity, to spark questions, to spark interests, to spark influences. They we see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. How can men who are uh, depraved and sinners before God, how can they glorify your Father which is in heaven? What has to happen to them? They have to come to Christ and, and, and come, come into a relationship with them. This verse shows us that your good works are a bridge to that. They open up conversations about the gospel. They open up opportunities about the gospel. And so here's a question for us. And I'm kind of talking to you as individuals here. How about as a church? As a church. Have you ever thought about this question? And I have. If the doors shut to our church tomorrow and South Hope Community Church ceased to exist, would the world and the community around us notice? Would they notice? And I don't mean would they notice that there's no cars in the parking lot on Sunday morning. What is our influence on the community? Do we have an influence on our community? Would, in the town report, the Hope Town Report next year, the annual report, uh, would they mention uh, about the, the sadness that South Hope Community Church is, is closed down and, and, the, and the different ways that we have served um, our community and been, though I'm sure from their point of view, might have a different opinion on that, but, but we, we would know what they're talking about, that we have been a bridge to Christ. Um, <clears throat> that's a question that I want to push and prod at here in light of this verse. Are we making a difference in our community? And what are some good works that would display to our community that we love God and we love people? So that, and that's not the end of it all, is it, right? If that's the end of it all, then we just have a social gospel, right? Or we're just nice people. We're nice people so we can point them to the best news in the world, Christ. And if our light would go out, and by the way, Jesus does put lights out, doesn't he? Read Revelation 1-3. through He removes candlesticks. All right, but have 
what are some ways that we in a church who have a wonderful past, who had an, who, who, who God has done amazing things in, what are some ways that we can serve our community and be that bridge to Jesus? Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So what I have up here is, is a little whiteboard and um, some sticky notes here. And I don't care if you're five years old or you're 95 years old. <clears throat> what I want you to do, I'm going to put this out in the foyer here uh, later this afternoon. Is if you have ideas, you have ideas <clears throat> about how we as a church can let our light shine in our community. So they would know that we worship a God who has hope. And His name is Jesus Christ. And He's real. And because of the work He's done in our lives, we love Him and we love people. Then I want you to write down an idea on a sticky note. And because I'm a little bit OCD, put them in a nice order here. Alright? And what we're going to do is we're going to compile these. And I want ideas from everybody. I don't... I don't care if you're five. Like I said, I want kids to put ideas how we can display the glory of God in our community, love our community, serve our community, so that we can share the gospel with them. Write it down on this uh, on, on, a, on a sticky note here. Put it up on the board here, and we'll compile these. Already we've had some good ideas, and, and uh, some of the things that have been mentioned are, um, are, are, are opening up our Veterans Dinner again that we held in November, alright? Give an opportunity to honor our veterans and, uh, and show that we care about them, we thank them for their service for our country, put on a, a wonderful dinner for them, and use that as an opportunity to share uh, an, another aspect about Jesus and why He makes us tick. Um, uh, Tim and I have been talking about having a, a, a time where we honor our police officers and our law enforcement um, in our country, not necessarily so much in Maine, but in our country, just a little bit in Maine, uh, we have been, uh, uh, um, the, the idea of our respect for authorities and who our law enforcement men are uh, has, been, has been distorted. And I realize there are some bad apples in, every, in everyone, right? But those are such a small minority that we, don't, we tend to forget and ignore the people who every morning get on their belt and go to work and literally lay down their lives for our behalf. So let's have something that honors our blue. Where we thank them for their service. Where we thank their families um, for their service. Because every mom who kisses her husband as he goes out the door... Um, to sacrifice on our behalf to keep us safe and protect us does not have a guarantee about tomorrow, do they? So let's thank them and, 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 and think of ways that we can honor them and share how Jesus can be their security as they go out and in their families. Those are a couple ideas. You might have others. And they don't have to be big things like that. Uh, well, that's not really a, a, you know, a big thing, but big events. They don't have to be. They can be very simple things. Perhaps you know, have neighbors or relatives who are widows or in need who could use something as simple as a yard spring clean up in their yard. Alright? Um, let's, let's think through those opportunities 
And let's be a people of God who are mobilized to obey this verse and reach our community. Um, In a few weeks, I'm going to meet with the town manager of Hope, and I'm going to ask him something along the lines of this question. How can our church serve our community? What what do you think, from your perspective, as town manager, would be some ways uh, that we could serve our community? And, and, And here's what I want you to think here. If money is not an obstacle, this is a dream session here, all right? Don't worry, Matthew. But if money is not an obstacle, what are some ways we can reach our community? What are some gateways? What are some bridges here? Uh, And building relationships, uh, uh, having influence, loving people for the purpose of opportunities to share Jesus Christ. Hope. In the 21st century. I put that there because we do live in a different world, don't we, than 1980, 1970. You drive throughout New England and some of the old parts of the towns you're going to see where they haven't changed it. You're going to see a beautiful town green, right? They're going to see a white church building, right? Right next to that town green. You know why? That was the center of town. That church building was where the town community meetings met. That was where life funneled through, right? In, uh, in colonial New England. Many times the, the pastor or reverend of that church was many times the most educated person in the community. And so um, the church and its leadership had a respected place in the community. Not so today, is it? Not so today. And uh, many times that's to our fault. Um, <clears throat> but why can't we become... Of people that, whether they agree or not with the truth of the Bible, would say, those people love God, and those people love people. I might not agree with what they stand for in the Bible. I mean, that's, that's, that's nuts to me. But I cannot argue that they love God and they love people. Let's try to make that argument foolproof. Let's try to take out all holes in the argument. Let's try to take out the, the argument that you know, we're, we're just a bunch of hypocrites. <laughs> no. We're flawed people who have been brought to God by the grace of Christ. And the church is to be means of spreading His light. We're an embassy of God's kingdom, in a sense. We're like an embassy. The Bible says we're ambassadors, right? We're ambassadors of Christ, 2 Corinthians 5. What do ambassadors do? Well, they represent who they serve to a world that doesn't understand who they serve. And they represent his interests to them. And if we can think about it like that, that, they were, that we are, as a church, are a family. We're brought into God's family. We're all saved individually, right? We're saved as individuals, but we're brought into God's family. We're brought into God's family and brought into the identity of Christ as missionaries, ambassadors, representatives of Christ, and servants. So we could say we're a family of missionary servants. We're brought into God's family, and we're to represent Christ, and we serve 
We're to represent Christ with the words of the gospel, right? And also who he is. And we're also to serve with Matthew 5.16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. All three of those identities, I think, are implied in this verse. Let your light. Remember, he's talked about you all. God's family, his church, represented here in this local church. All right? So shine before men that they may see your good works. There's our identity as a servant. We're servants of Christ. We're slaves of Christ. And slaves of Christ are no good if they're not serving. All right? And we serve Christ by serving others. You understand that? And glorify your Father which is in heaven. I think that's the missionary part. That's the representation of the truths of the gospel, the words of the gospel, the points of the gospel. So that's what I want you to wrestle with and think about here and participate in. Write down ideas. Put them on here. I want to see this thing filled up. And we want to look through them and say, okay, here's some ideas that keep coming up. There's people that obviously have a passion for this. Let's see if we can put this together. Let's make something happen here. All right. And, um, and go from there. Because we have spent eight weeks in prayer beginning of this year here. All right? We want to see God work now. If all we do is pray, and we pray, pray is the work, remember. We pray, we pray, we pray. But if all we did was ever pray, then we really wouldn't be praying God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Or pointing fingers at other people and saying, God's will be done through you, not me. Right? But we we have prayed... We have asked God to work in us. We're asking God to work in our community. And I really believe if we're going to go forward as a church, and we're going to minister to our community, that Matthew 5.16 has to be key. You know what that? You know what happens when we start to get out in the community and serve the community and love and know the community? You know what happens? I'm speaking as someone who is the, the most vilest offender of this. Okay, I'm not talking down to you. But as someone who, this is a serious problem. Alright? You know what happens though? You start to learn about them. You start to know about their mother-in-law or their grandma who's in the hospital. Or their brother who they're just up all night thinking about because he is on heroin and can't break away from it. And you know what that gives? That gives opportunity for biblical counseling from God's Word. It gives doors, back doors, entries into the life-changing truth of this book. So here's a question. How could we let our light shine in our community in the 21st century so they would see our good works and glorify our Heavenly Father? Will you think about that? And will you put down ideas? And as we meet again together and go back to this, will you be a part of it? Because I think we're going to see people's gifts displayed. I think we're going to see um, our community understand that we really do love them. We can't. We don't know how people will respond, do we? But we do know we're called to be faithful, whether or not people respond or not. And uh, I think um, that our church will go forward here in the next next months and years.